Hey, Drew. How we doing? Good. I mean, I'm good. You're good. Melody is yeah. probably also good. She's off doing professorly things. Right, right. So she was not able to join us today. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, so welcome to How College Works. Today, Drew, you had sort of an aha moment. So I was wondering if you would, you know, <laughs> start with what you were what, what you were doing and then let's sort of like roll that into like how that kind of plays into like what we have been trying to do so well yeah so I was um, uh, listening to the radio and you know how it is when you're <clears throat> really only able to hear a little bit of the of the news story or the radio story get out of the car and then come back 10 or 15 minutes later and hear the back half of this, this radio story. So I, I, I didn't hear a hundred percent of this story. I do need to go back and listen to all of it, but this is a program called hidden brain uh, on NPR. This was the September 12th episode um, from this year, 2019. So you can go look that up if you want to hear it. Um, and the, the premise of this was that uh, he was talking about workers at work um, finding meaning, and, you know, the, the kind of the anecdote they started off with was the, um, the boss had bought lottery tickets for the mega lotto. And if everybody in the, uh, he had bought a ticket for everybody who worked there. And if one of the tickets had won, they would split it all the way around and each person would get something like 200 million. And the question obviously is when you get your 200 million, do you leave work immediately or do you stay working? And there was only two answers to this question, apparently, which was first, um, are you kidding me? Obviously, I quit working immediately and I've already forgotten your name. <laughs> and and the, other, the other answer to this question was, are you kidding me? There's no question. It's obvious. Um, I stay at work. I love what I'm doing. I take the money and invest and do whatever. And you know, pay debts and do whatever and stay at work because I love the work I'm doing. Yeah. There's and really so, no in between there. There's, there's, there's <laughs> right. no, like I work for five more years and then I leave with $200 million. If you want to, with leave, million, you're right. if you want to stay, you stay. Yeah. And so he was looking at this, like how can these like in an extreme example, two individuals. And so that's overgeneralized of those answers, but basically that's where we're at. And how can two people work in the same job and have these wildly differing opinions of like, uh, if I could, if I could bail hard today, I would versus I love this work. Right. And so he studied a, a couple of, you know, research papers and articles and things and interviewed one of the ladies who wrote uh, one of the articles in, in the radio piece. And they were saying basically the difference is finding meaning and finding value in the work that you're doing. This does apply to, to how college works. I'll get there in a minute. Uh, <laughs> I, I trust um, you. I'm, I'm with you. Keep going. Yeah. We're going down I'm the long road. You. <laughs> yeah. So saying like the, the workers who want to stay have a feeling that the work and the, and the production and the, and the result that they're getting at work is meaningful to themselves but meaningful to other people meaningful to either the company or the society or whatever it is and the other individuals who are like see you later don't have that same level of meaning over the work that they're doing so that uh, they'd rather go do something that that has meaning and so then it kind of even begs even a further question which is 
uh, I think a lot of times the perception is that this finding meaning in the work or the calling and the vocation that you're doing is something that is serendipitous and falls out of the sky onto you from heaven. And, oh gosh, I just stumbled upon this job that I love. And, or it will be, mm. it will be presented as, this is what they said in the show, was it will be presented to somebody will say like, oh, they, he just found an institution that really fits or a job that really fits him. Um, and I've certainly heard people say that. Um, versus the, the research that he interviewed one of the um, researchers about was that this can apparently be one, you know, crafted. Finding meaning in the work that you're doing can be created. Um, and that has a really wide implication to me. So somebody who says, I'd take the two million and uh, 200 million and bail out can change that answer by crafting meaning and creating meaning for the work that they do. And there's a various ways of doing that. And uh, certainly some, some employment situations, you know, probably don't apply to this scenario, but, um, you know, if you have a bad working environment, it doesn't matter how much meaning you put to the work. Uh, yeah, that's but a anyway, tough road to hoe. Yeah. The, the way that I applied this to, I, I instantly started thinking about um, our beginning conversations at this podcast a couple years ago when we said, like, why are these students, you know, 18, 19 years old, top of their program, like the, the ones that are accepted and, and continue in college are... Um, kind of the top half or whatever, top 60% or whatever of the hmm. high school students. And they have mastered the system at K-12 and they get to college and they struggle. And what's, what is the difference? So this to me connected where um, students in K-12 up through about age 18 or possibly 16, depending on the state, have to attend by law. And so it, you're compelled, you're coerced, coerced in the, in the meaning, uh, in the sense of um, required against your, it doesn't matter what, if you would like to or not. You're, you're, right. You're Whether of, you enjoy it or not, someone's going to come make you go to school. Yeah. It's you know. irrelevant if you desire it. Um, it's, it's just a bonus point if you like going to school. Um, but it's coerced, it's compelled, and all of the adults surrounding this student um, this hypothetical student in question are also compelled by law to get the student to just be on campus and attend. Right. Uh, re regardless of desire, regardless of, you know, am ambition or, or heart or like, I want to be in arts or I want to be in whatever. It well, has very, interest very or little... inspiration. Right. It's right. just, you know, you have to do it. You know? Yeah. And, and so those items are, are topics for a different podcast however there they are um and these students that we're talking about who are going to college and you're seeing in first year college have mastered the system they're 18 years in 19 years uh 17 some of them whenever or they can crush it i've got 4.0 5.0 gpa extracurriculars resume looks brilliant application personal statement jumped every hoop you know um and, and they've got this skill set that's super geared up and ready to go in a system that does not allow or does not recognize agency of the student or uh, what they want to do if they want to do music or education or business or, you know, engineering or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's almost 
almost, I wouldn't say completely, but almost irrelevant uh, in some situations. So I'll hedge, but, <laughs> but you understand the, the, right. the, yeah. the majority of the students I'm thinking of. And when you get to college, it's nearly the opposite system in, in that sense where you're not coerced. You're the straight opposite. You could show up, not show up. Nobody is checking. You could wake up at seven. Don't wake up at seven. Nobody's checking. You want to go to lunch, go to lunch. You don't want to go to lunch, skip the cafeteria. doesn't matter. You got to get up and go to the bathroom. Don't ask me. (laughs) You know, and verse, you know, and so as a student, you really do have to suddenly struggle with and confront is this meaningful to me? Is my time spent meaningful to me? And am I getting meaning out of this? Because if I'm going to school for, I'm going to say music, because that's what I did. If I'm going to school for music in college level, I'm not actually trumpet performing, except for like a very short amount of time of that college career of five years that I did in music school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so is this time spent meaningful to me? Um, and I have to find meaning in learning how to learn to be a trumpet player, learning how to practice in a way that, that uh, I can get past plateau, I can get past skill, you know, uh, skill blockage, and, and you know, uh, I can learn in a way that allows me to get repertoire and learn how to uh, play this instrument, that instrument, and conduct, and uh, different conducting styles for, for choir and orchestra and whatever. So is that meaningful to me? And I have to build that myself. If I haven't ever done that in my high school career, this is a completely brand new, frightening skill. Right. Well, and, and some, you know, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say that I'm listening to what you're, what you're saying is like, I have to find meaning in learning, you know, how to learn, learning how to pick up these skills and that, you know, the analogy that I often make on the podcast is, is professors as, you know, skilled craftspeople, you know, mm-hmm. and that if you're going to apprentice yourself, to a master plumber or a master electrician or a master carpenter, it's obvious, it's it's clear from the get-go what the ultimate goal is. But when you come in to say, for me, for a physics major, you spend at least two years just kind of like taking classes and there's there's no real perspective on what the future is. It's not obvious what that result is or the fact that your legwork you put in is building to a, a, a large result. Right. Yeah. There's for me anyway, cause I was, I just like, I like this subject. That's why I did it. You know, but if I'm thinking about, uh, cause people nowadays, uh, people, students much more now than when I remember going for me anyway, let's say that, right. uh, like, what is the career? What are the prospects? Like, where are we going? Which is good. Like that's an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, but I didn't have any of that understanding really is like what do i do with a degree in physics what does that look like what what are these tools for allowing me or prepping me to be able to do like it it was probably a a good ways into the major before that started to come like heave onto the horizon and be something i I need to pay attention to you know for you and i i think that that was the same that was the same for me as i majored in music not really starting off thinking about what am i going to do with a degree in music Right. 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 You'd be an IT professional. Um, right. Exactly. However, I mean, I, the, the, the consideration of the question. So I'm listening to this radio program and I'm, and I'm thinking about our podcast and, and students at age 18 versus at age 20. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I'm definitely thinking this ties a lot into that question, or there's like, this is a facet of the question of what is college for, which we discussed a little bit a couple episodes back, uh, a couple seasons back, <laughs> um, <laughs> where we said, is college to make you career ready? Is college to get you in the door of a job? Is college learning for learning's sake? Is, you know, and so that question or the answer to that question that if, if, a, if a student is, is allowed to, which I think they are, have a, a unique answer to that question, each student has their own answer to that question, why am I in college? Then this, this question of what, how am I making meaning with my time spent is really mm-hmm. pertinent. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm at college to get a job, right, I want to come out of college with the, with the paper that allows me to walk into my career at a certain level, then it changes the, the way you're, you perceive every bit of class time you've spent. And there, there, I think it makes sense. I'm not excusing behavior, but it makes sense to me, a student who's frustrated with, I don't see the, the purpose of this in my, uh, in my chosen career field that I'm going to be exiting into for this class. Right. And so right. that to me, it doesn't, it, I don't want to, <clears throat> it doesn't make it an invalid co- complaint. It's just a complaint, but there's that facet of like, ah, ha you're, you're not seeing meaning in this time spent because it's not applicable to your career because your purpose for college is career oriented. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just a, different way or one of the different ways to look at your time spent in college. Yeah. Well, and I will also add to that, bringing back to you talk about the, the researcher who said that, you know, this myth of inspiration or just a good fit versus, right. you know, work to find and craft that perspective. And every person, every, I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but every person who was like, I'm just slogging through to the weekend in my classes, that person can, with the right help, which I'm not qualified to provide, you know, <laughs> direct that and shift that perspective to see, to find meaning that may or may not be related to a career, but to find meaning in all the classes that they're taking. That's not to say that everyone needs to do this or that everyone, need, or that there's even time to do this for everything. You right. know, if it's if it's if it's a difficulty, because I remember in, I think it must have been into my junior year, you know, and I had been taking an enjoyable situation. What's that? Oh, oh, my internet connection's unstable, but I'm back. I think. Okay, <laughs> okay. So I was saying, I, I remember it must have been in my I think my junior year, you know, I've been taking physics courses and enjoying them just for the sake of feeling like I understood things in the world if I understood the physics, uh, which I think is a, is a big motivator for people who study physics. Uh, but there's, a, there's like a ton of other classes I had to take. You know, there were math classes I took to get a minor. There were general education requirements that I had to take. And I remember at some point being like, I could just hate this. I think it was a world history class. I could just hate this class because it is not pertinent to what I'm doing or I could try to find what's interesting Mm -hmm. in this class, even though it's never going to be applicable to what I do. Like that's what I was thinking at least at the time and be like, well, why don't I 
try to find why don't I try to find it interesting? Which makes it sound super easy, and I don't think that's really the case. And I think I was just at the right point in my life, in the right class for this to sort of click in for me. Yeah. And like from that point onward, all of the gen eds that I was taking uh, were, were fascinating and were really interesting. And you know, in the in the context of what you're listening to, they were meaningful. Like I found meaning mm-hmm. not for my career, but for you know, my life and my perspective and interests that were not related to physics. Uh, and it made my time incredibly enjoyable. Yeah. And it doesn't, um, I mean, it's not a perfect translation, this, this radio story about adults at work versus students in class. The power dynamic is slightly different. Um, and, you know, certainly you're not going to find meaning in, in, a, in a class per se every moment. <clears throat> and there's an end point for a class and for a university degree versus for a job or a career or a calling. Mm, there's true. no end of this tunnel, right? There's no, um, or in some cases, you maybe you would say there shouldn't be. Uh, like, I, I don't look at, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's the thing is other other looking at your career you're working in saying like, gosh, I'm, I'm going to do five more years of this and then I'm out over here to this other thing. Um, I know. I mean, you do, you do need to have a five-year plan and what's a, uh, I've, I've strayed off the field, but right. <laughs> I just mean like um, it's, it's a difficult uh, overlay to just say like, all right, this radio story is about adults at work versus students, uh, college students, adult college students in, in, in classes. It's not a perfect analog, but it was very uh, apropos, I suppose. It was very uh, easy for me to, to relate this and say like, aha. So the, 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 the questions we asked at the beginning of the podcast about like, why do students interact this way with professors and, and why do they not know mm. how better to ask for help, how better to approach a professor, how better to advocate for that. We want them to advocate for themselves in high school. And yet the way they advocate for themselves doesn't translate to a good advocation for themselves in college. Right. And those questions, like, I think this is really tightly related to those questions we had. Yeah, I I think so too. And it also reminds me of the discussion we had of like high school you is college you. Right. You know, like you are absolutely correct. Like there is an end, even though it seems like forever from now for someone in high school or student in college, you know, this, you know, this will pass and you'll move on to the next thing. And that is not the intention for like adult life. The adult life is like this, you're going to be doing something you know, for the rest of your life, right? It only ends when you die sort of a morbid thought. Um, (laughs) Well, you're doing so. And that's not to say like nowadays we don't go work at GM for 45 years, but we work work at at something to make paychecks. Yeah. Even if you like switch careers or make a lateral move every so often, like you, you know, you, you are looking longer term, ideally you're looking longer term and a career trajectory that's more than that four or five years. Sort of like, where can I go? Or what are the things that I'm building up now that I can take with me later? However, that perspective of I, I am not going to, I mean, because this is sort of taking back into the, uh, the uh, finding and crafting meaning. 
-hmm. And then to flip that from the opposite perspective, the um, consciously or intentionally not finding meaning, the saying, I am not going to care about this. It's only here for two years. I will not find meaning in this. Uh, if that's something you cultivate while you're in college, I don't really care about this class. It's only for a semester. I'm not really going to engage with it. I'm just going to make it through. If that's what you practice, that's what you take into your job. So while it may be two, three months at the class level, if you practice honed that skill of not caring, of, of forcefully ignoring yeah. things, you yeah. know, or it, it, it turns into, or I could see how it easily might turn into this idea of like, Oh, well, if only my boss were a better boss, or if only my coworkers would stop fooling around and start pulling their weight, or if only like, mm -hmm. and, and you have this external look at everything and say, I'm not happy in my job because of what these other people are doing. Right. And, and so yeah. if I just, if I wait long enough, they'll get better. Or, right. Or, I mean, well, the, the, at the one hand, like, Maybe they just won't ever get better. It doesn't matter how long you wait. It's but it's not your fault. But it also but spent, removes yeah. your yeah. It removes your agency, and it's like yeah. I spent all my time thinking about what Peter did and not about what Andrew actually was doing. And and that's not to victim blame, but it's just like this radio story is turning around and saying like if you can create that meaning, it supports the idea of not that it doesn't matter that the rest of your coworkers are incompetent, <laughs> but, but that you can still enjoy your work and say, yeah, I take the 200 million and I'd stay at work because I enjoy supporting blah, blah. I enjoy producing this product or whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, <clears throat> and same, same with, with, uh, I think it's a really similar with a college student to a college class as far as like, Oh, well, I'm not enjoying this class because if only my professor taught differently or if my professor were a better professor, or if my, if my, my the students in my class weren't so loud or, or the or, subject was one, which was more interesting. Right. If I were more interested in the subject matter and look, um, even despite knowing that it's a 14 week semester that I just am going to, like you said, not necessarily fake the excitement over, but like li listen for what maybe is interesting. Right. Yeah. Before just That's, shutting the, the door to it. Right. Yeah. And that was the thing when people talk about being open. I mean, that's kind of what it means to me anyway, like, is that are you, are you willing to give different parts a chance? Like right. that world history course, we read a bunch of books like Things Fall Apart and Chen Village and, you know, all these other things. And not everything I read was like, I'm loving it. I need more of this, you know, but there were, there were takeaways like, to have. From it. You didn't like Things Fall Apart? I love that novel. Uh, I mean, I don't think I was in a place where I could <laughs> read a novel about everything like falling apart, you know, socially and be all, and it just it just weighed on me. Yeah, that's true. I I actually read it as an adult, so it probably meant something different. Well, yes, it's true. Like if you go back and read like the Shakespeare you read in in high school, especially if you were to take a college level course as an adult about mm. it, then it's it's just a very different experience than and even the perspective that you just bring 
as, yeah. as a high schooler. And to me, and, and going along with our discussion here, I don't think that's a reason to not expose students, younger students to that, some of that content. So it, things mm. fall apart. For example, in our curriculum in my district is a, uh, a 10th grade novel. So we're oh, talking about like what, 16 year olds reading about colonial Nigeria, <clears throat> you know, 18, whatever, British colonialism in Nigeria, it, there's like zero to relate to for every student in my class when I taught that novel. I'm loving it. As the teacher, I'm reading this as, a, as an adult, as a, you know, mid-30s mm-hmm. going like, golly, this character development is fantastic. I absolutely love this storyline, this novel. <laughs> this, you know, I, and my students are saying, God, I hate this character. He's so stupid. And I was I like, Look, your your response to that is exactly why this is good literature, because you're mad at that character, and so am I. But but that's, you know, um, and the, so they're not necessarily getting the same thing I am out of it, but... There is something uh, for them to get out of it. Yeah, and maybe yeah, that's yeah. a reflection 10 years from now when they turn around and say, hey, and they watch a movie and say, oh, I recognize that theme, or I recognize that idea. Well, and this reminded me of, like, you don't actually have to get out of it what is necessarily intended to be gotten out of it. I remember reading Anna Karenina just for fun Jeez. And, uh, and being just like, okay, we're going to ignore the snipe hunting because why, but then just being so angry with Anna to be like, why do you care? Why are you ruining your life about things that don't matter? And, you know, as sort of grad student adult doing this, being like, taking a moment like this is the difference between the society this book was written in and my society so what are the things what can I identify as the differences that I think are better in my society now the things that are angering me about this woman's response to a loveless marriage and 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 finding and being engaged uh, like emotionally with this sort of uh, other man and it's like really it was interesting in that way like I'm not saying that I want to just go hang out with Anna Karenina because that's super depressing <laughs> but <laughs> it was interesting in a different way like I don't think that was I don't think that was the point of the novel but that's the that's what I got out of it when I read it you know with no cliff notes or no class to wrap around it and to show me all these other things that are possible from it Right, and also no requirement, right? Uh, which, which again, that that idea of coercion that I was speaking of that that things fall apart for a sixteen-year-old when it's a class requirement, and you're you've got a couple of quizzes and a test and an essay to write about, and your your defense mechanism at that age is going up immediately on like, oh, it does it doesn't matter. I mean, you could be assigning Harry Potter; it doesn't matter. Uh, because like the reading level at the, the, the that last book is probably good enough, uh, and I mean I'm saying you could you could assign a, a, a desirable novel, and because it's a class assignment, it it's the the desire is killed. So right right even if you love Harry Potter, you don't want to do that. Right, it's a great way to just soak everybody's spirit out, and so becoming as an adult, becoming aware of that as a college student or as a worker at a at a career at a job, to say, become aware of the script that we've grown into from eighteen years of public school, um, mm-hmm. to turn around and say, uh, 
I'm, I'm aware, I'm self-aware now of my defense mechanism that's auto launching in spite of me and now release that and say, maybe there is something here for me, or I'm just going to wait it out and see if there is. And then if I need to hate this or not desire it, I, I will. But if I don't need to, I won't spend energy on it. Right. Or, yeah. To, to find, to spend some time looking for the things which are worthwhile, you know, as well, which is slightly different than what you just said. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that, that, you know, just thinking back on what you've been saying, like this transition, the shift from high school to college of this external meaning, this external requirement where your own desires are unimportant and then shifting into this, into college where uh, you come in with that, with, with those walls up, you know, with those habits formed. But we're now in a sort of an intrinsic environment where you have to find your own meaning and pursue that in ways that are yeah well, it, and, it, and it leads to that misunderstanding inside your own head as a student of like oh what tool do i get out of the toolbox that looks like a nail let me get the hammer out right and and then not understanding when you swing at the nail and it doesn't go anywhere right <laughs> right and so they yeah the idea of um no i lost my train of thought it's okay <laughs> i was just thinking of this one of the one of the big transitions, I think, is finding your own meaning in what you're doing, uh, and ideally finding meaning in all the little ancillary things that are going on that that you're that you need to do. Like this is it's this blending because college really is sort of like a halfway house there in that. Right. You don't have to go to college. You aren't required to pick that particular major. But regardless of whatever major you pick, there are classes you need to take that you don't want to that are just required. Right. And that aren't going to be immediately like, oh, I love this. Uh, and so. Yeah. I mean, that was my thought uh, that I, that's just come back to me that is that you're the, the, the bullseye on the dartboard in high school and, and K-12 is uh, or so often, let's say that, so often the excuse for this coercion model is, uh, we'll get comments about me saying that, but is the, the excuse is you need to do this because you're headed to college, right? right? And so it's explicit over and over that the end goal is college. The end is college. The end goal is college. Well, now you're at college. So, right. so, so I'm done, right? I'm a, like, I made it. I'm out. I'm done finished and so there's like there's no <laughs> there's no skill set to like uh navigate this uncharted waters right right it, it this sort of reminds me of like when i got married and then started to pay attention to much more of the marriage culture and this idea that the marriage is the biggest portion of your relationship you and the wedding thought, or the yeah the wet yeah the yeah sorry the wedding is the is the biggest portion of the relationship and then I was like but you have many years after this yeah the wedding <laughs> like, is like the wedding is like <laughs> like what it's kind of a two day situation and <laughs> right. if this is the biggest moment of your life then doesn't doesn't that mean that everything else is really a letdown yeah, <laughs> after that yeah, is it, if that's yeah. the way I think am I am I getting this right it seems wrong it's, it's like you know, yeah and if you know getting getting to college is the goal and now you're here but it's like 
yeah, you don't, you don't actually get to take a break. You got to right. do all these things. And, and I don't mean that, like we, we've simplified, we've oversimplified. I, I don't Absolutely. think that that's any longer the case that it's, it's not every teacher, every class, every parent, every student who's being told, uh, oh, college is it. We're going to college. This is because of college. You have to do homework because of college. You have to do, you know, math because of college. I don't think we're using that as much as we used to, but it's still definitely a prevalent, like a, a, a one of the top five. Um, when, when a student asks you, why are we doing this? The answer is like, well, we're going to college. Right, right. Yeah. And now once you're here, we, we need a different tool set to make sense of it all. Basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Today was the Zen <laughs> episode. <laughs> Periodically we have some. So yeah, I mean, just, I guess to recap, uh, the meanings you have in the work that you're doing as a student uh, changes fundamentally as to where you find that and who determines it. And uh, that can be a big, a big shift and a difficult one uh, that takes some time to work through. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'll put a link to the, uh, to the Hidden Brain episode. I'll see if I can find a link. I'll put that into uh, the show notes and uh, give that a listen if you wanna, wanna hear all yeah, the specifics. Definitely. Uh, it was a September 12th, 2019 episode, which you can find on NPR.com if you go search. But yeah, share that link. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks, Drew. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was uh, really interesting. If you have questions for me or comments, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Dr. Highland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D, or send me an email, peter.o.highland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. See everybody next week. All right, next week.